Hi, welcome to Unpacking. My name is Shira Donath. And I'm Omer Schreier. In today's episode, we'll be interviewing Erica Pellman, who founded In Shifra's Arms in 2009 and has acted as executive director ever since. Previously, she worked at the Center for Faith-Based and Community Initiatives at the U.S. Department of Labor from 2001 to 2008 on National Outreach and Workforce Development Partnerships. She was raised in Austin, Texas, and has a bachelor's degree in history from the University of Pennsylvania. Erica has made her home in Aspen Hill, Maryland with her husband and eclectic band of four kids. We're really excited to be speaking with Erica about the important work that she does. To jump into our first question, can we just start with hearing a little bit about what your organization is and the work that the work that you do? Yes. Um, so in, um, in Schiffer's Arms is a unique Jewish resource for women with unplanned pregnancy crises. Um, an unplanned pregnancy crisis could be it's an unplanned pregnancy and it poses a crisis to the family or the, or the woman, the individual woman, um, because of financial stress, emotional stress, relationship instability or abuse, um, coercion or pressure, or it could be a, a pregnancy in which it was a planned pregnancy, but then after the pregnancy, a crisis occurs. There's a job loss, there's a mental health crisis, there um, is a prenatal diagnosis, although that's much more rare um, for our callers, but any sort of crisis that occurs after the pregnancy. So um, with COVID, you know, people were calling us with planned pregnancies who, you know, husbands lost their jobs or they lost their jobs. Um, so that, that falls under our bailiwick also. Um, we offer five core services, counseling, professional counseling with licensed clinic social workers that is free. Material aid, like physical things, such as physical items, such as diapers for a year, or um, uh, maternity clothes, or baby equipment, customized to what's the need of the woman. If there's something that we could get, you know, slightly gently used, we'll do that. But you know, we also customize to the, the needs of the woman. Financial aid. Um, uh, grants towards her most pressing need. Um, sometimes that's something career related, babysitting while they get someone gets a certification so she can have more financial stability or sometimes it's help postpartum. Um, so that varies a lot and it's customized to the woman. For community connections, we, we work, we are a virtual organization. I live in Maryland and my counselors live in Chicago and Florida and our other teammates live around, you know, different places. Um, and we can take a Jewish woman from anywhere in the United States. And we also will take from outside of the United States, out anywhere outside of Israel. Um, so we will connect women locally, however, to anything that we believe that will help them um, through their crisis. And fifth, and we just added this, is lifetime access to class to classes, parenting classes and support. Um, after the first year when the professional counseling ends, we're now officially offering these classes to continuing to connecting and supporting our moms. Wow. To be honest, before, I think I had heard, I think I had heard of this organization, but when she mentioned it, it like rang a bell maybe in passing, but this is like a whole world of work that happens that I really didn't know anything about. And it 
just really sounds incredible. Like it really, um, I, we were really looking forward to speaking with you and hearing about this. And, and I just want Shira to ask more questions and I'll ask more questions <laughs> so we can find out more, more about this, this work. I'm really curious, how did you first get involved in this? Was this like your brainchild? Was it someone else's? Did you take it over? Um, can you tell us about how you got involved and how the organization got to where it is? Yeah, thank you for the question. So I um, did not have a background in anything related to this. I actually, but it's a kind of a joke. I used to work at the US Department of Labor so my husband endlessly jokes that I left Department of Labor to help women go into, which is ridiculous, but I still have to have to um, appreciate it. Although my background in Department of Labor did give me an orientation towards pregnancy crises that are a little different because um, what I did in Department of Labor, I used to work for the Center for Faith-Based and Community Initiatives that is I worked with nonprofits around the country who helped people to get jobs. And so I was very oriented to workforce development issues. How do you get people, how do you support people in financial stability? And so I brought that sort of thinking into crisis pregnancy counseling. This is a life issue. This isn't just a moment. This is, okay, if you're bringing a child into the world, how are you gonna support the child? Do you have the financial ability now? If not, what would be the career path? Like I, I brought a very, wider conception than I think other people might have connected specifically with pregnancy crisis. But the story is that I was going to leave that job at labor. I was really done, really done with um, working in the government. Um, and I really went to work one day and I just said, what do you want me to do, God? I mean, there's so many issues I could work on. There's anti-poverty, there's Israel, there's democracy, there's whatever. What, what do you want from me? And it really came to me, this idea, like really out of nowhere. Now I had had this um, experience several years before that. So three years before that, I had had a really close friend call me to tell me she was having an abortion. And it was really painful. And I mean, if she was single, neither of us were, Orthodox at the time. Um, well, she still isn't. I was not. Um, but she was just, it was really a bad, not a good relationship, not good father material. And she was so ashamed. She just couldn't even consider adoption because um, she was just felt like she was just such a screw up. And it was so painful to watch her go through that and feel like on one hand, this is the wrong relationship in the wrong time. On the other hand, she's an incredible person and she would make an incredible mother and any child she could have had, regardless of the father would have been an incredible person. So it was just, it was really, really painful, but I didn't go from that to, oh, I'm gonna go start an organization. It was just this grief I had that I grieved with her and then life moved on. But then that day I just walked into work. I had to, and I asked, what do you wanna do? What should I do? This is what came to me. And what was interesting is at the time I was, Try, I was married and I was trying to become pregnant. I'd been trying to become pregnant for close to a year and it, I, I wasn't. And then I had this idea. So I, was, I had touched a little bit on sort of infertility. It wasn't severe, but I was you know, longing for a child and not having one. So that gave me another perspective on what I'd experienced earlier in my twenties. And then two weeks after I had the idea, I found out I was pregnant for the first time. And so my journey into motherhood has been intertwined into my, with my journey 
into supporting mothers in crisis. And so it's made it very personal to me, you know, like in the beginning, like our very first client, um, you know, she was, I was, she ended up being from Florida of all places. She was this Israeli woman who was, because they heard about me through word of mouth, basically, um, that I was trying to start this organization. And she was functionally homeless, had gotten out of an abusive relationship and had walked into a Shabbat lunch and said, I don't know what to do. This woman called me and we started to work together on it. And, you know, she's like, I'm talking to her and I'm realizing she doesn't have money to buy pregnancy undergarments. You know, she didn't, she didn't have anything, you know, and, and that's not something you can necessarily just walk into Jewish social services and be like, I don't have maternity underwear. So, you know, we're sending her gift cards for that and getting her, we also got her money for health insurance and all sorts of things. And the woman there really like did an unbelievable job helping. I was really, we were really support to her. Um, the woman who had hosted her for the Shabbat lunch, but it's, so that's, you know, that's how it started. And it's gone in this very unpredictable way because I originally thought, okay, we're going to start an organization here in the DC area and we'll do a little model and then we'll bring it to New York and we'll bring it to Fairlawn and we'll bring it to, you know, different areas. Um, but the first call was from this woman from Miami. And then the second call was this woman from Canada, um, young woman, young woman, totally different situation. Um, so we de- we ended up developing this model where we can we can take a call from anywhere, and we build that relationship over the phone, um, and we send care packages and we do things to build that connection, and we'll do it you know with any Jewish woman anywhere in the United States. Wow, wow. things that a lot of people take for granted are just you know basic necessities for pregnancy that sometimes go like you know to even think about it but it's really amazing that you're there to provide that support to women when they need it when you like hear the words I was I was spending some time looking on the website and and this sort of idea of unplanned pregnancy crisis that that brings up a lot of thoughts um, about what that could be referring to and you, and you touched on it a little bit at the beginning in terms of the the crisis being the unplanned part or the pregnancy being the unplanned part or how this comes together for different people. And, and even in the, the woman you just mentioned as the first caller, can you share a little bit about who, who reaches out the, the sort of demographic and who comes as, as cases and callers to, to your organization? Is there a type of key is it's probably a spectrum, but what, what the, like who like the organization is. Yeah, there's like different types of types. <laughs> um, so we've worked with, so in the last, um, to the, uh, we worked with over hundred women, 78, 38 of them in the first seven years and 78 of them in the last four. So it's been building slowly, but surely reaching more and more women. Um, 50, about 50% of the women who call us are married, which was not my picture, but is in fact what is needed. Um, Half are either single or divorcing and separated. Um, I just look at my stats. About one in one in um, one in seven, one in eight are getting out of an abusive relationship, um, specifically abusive relationship. But in terms of the demographics, um, we have Orthodox women who call us, and we have unaffiliated women who call us. We have women who have master's degrees, and we have women who are. Um, you know, don't have, don't really have a strong high school background or just barely graduated high school. 
Um, and we have, so it's, it's a really wide picture, way wider than I would have thought um, when I started it. Cause when I started, I thought of my friend, someone in their twenties, you know, in a, you know, who's single, but it really, you know, unplanned pregnancies can happen. Crisis pregnancies can happen to any woman of childbearing years. And um, uh, so we've, you know, it, it's been much broader. So we have, you know, there'll be some women have come to us, like I said, but like the woman, the that first woman, she was in her thirties. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have been my sort of thought, this homeless woman in her thirties, but that's happened more than once over the years, the single woman who is in her thirties. And for her, it's often, this is my chance. This is the worst timing to have a child. I, my life isn't together. And yet this might be my only chance to have a child. I'm in my thirties. I don't have a partner. No, I don't have. And so it's really, you know, they want the support, but you know, there's a lot of support that's needed. Um, um, sometimes people are functionally homeless. Sometimes people, you know, have homes. Sometimes the core issue is, you know, financial stability. And sometimes the core issue is more emotional um, stability, feeling overwhelmed. That's a lot of the, the mothers that call us that have younger children. Um, uh, you know, that's the crisis can be the, just the over, not just the financial, but the overwhelm. And sometimes the relationship is the crisis. And sometimes there's direct pressure from the, the father of the baby to have an abortion, whether they're single or married, um, because they feel like they can't afford it or whatever reason. Um, not everyone. So when women call us, um, some of them are currently considering abortion. Some of them already ruled it out. And some of them wouldn't have considered abortion, but they really are experiencing a crisis and they, they want support. So it's, you know, it's people come in different places if you, from different places and we're here for them. Um, wow. You know, it's, it's so fascinating to hear about all the types of support that you give and all the people who come to you. And also to see the wide range of support that you have um, across the religious spectrum, political spectrum. I saw in one of your flyers that you recently put out that you're endorsed by the RCA and that made me really excited <laughs> to see that um, because it shows that rabbinic leadership is recognizing that this is an area where women need support. Um, and so I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about what was helpful in getting support across these spectrums, um, what challenges you faced, if you have faced any, um, and anything you can you know, do to shed light on that aspect for us. It's such a great question. We've always, I mean, obviously like abortion, unplanned pregnancy is not a um, light political topic, a light, you know, it's, a, it's an intense issue and um, it's an intense political issues, but we're not a political organization. We are a social service organization and we're a social service organization whose aim is to serve everyone in the Jewish community. Um, so from the beginning of the organization, I always was trying to bring in people of diverse views. So as an example, when we hired our first counselor, there was a committee of three people. One of them was a liberal, uh, like strongly pro-choice, she'd, she'd actually interned at Planned Parenthood, a uh, sex therapist who also was Orthodox. Um, and then the other person was someone um, who is like uh, not Orthodox, more, much more secular, um, happened to be on the pro-life um, side of the spectrum. And uh, 
you know, uh, so just the two very different people, two very different women, but they shared the vision that we needed to have a resource that anyone could come to and anyone could feel comfortable. And they, we both, we all agree that it was, wasn't about pressuring anyone, you know, like this was about offering services. And so together we all picked our first counselor. You know, we came up with the woman that we felt like was going to be the best person to pick up the phone. And, you know, it's such a, we're in such politically charged times. It's almost like I'm speaking Greek when I say that, but really, you know, we have people who think very differently on the politics of abortion and it's irrelevant because we're here. And it also like religious difference, irrelevant, or we're here to provide our service that we know people need and to provide it in a way that has integrity and integrity means transparency. We're not, we tell you what we can offer. We tell you what we can't offer. We're not, um, we don't do uh, medical services. We're not here to provide halachic guidance or tell you what you should do. We're here to offer you support in your journey. And um, if that journey ends in miscarriage or abortion, we're also gonna be there for you. Uh, so, so that's, uh, it's, it's really a challenge and I appreciate that you picked up on the effort we make to, to bring people together because it is the core of what we're trying to do. It's so beautiful to hear how you frame this as at the end of the day, whatever you think politically, even whatever you think halakhically, religiously, the idea that what it sounds like it's really just about one person at a time and like this one person's needs and experiences and you are not in a position nor do, does it seem you at all want to be in a position of telling someone ever what they should do. The name is, is really beautiful of the organization, right? It's like holding a person and, and just like being there, being there with them. It's, she mentioned the, the RCA um, approval piece, which I think, to be honest, when we were talking about this and I like hadn't really heard of it, I thought it rang a bell and she was, like, mentioned it was endorsed by the RCA. I'm like, that's so interesting. What is this? Um, just because like you said it's very politically charged times and it's a complicated you know halachic topic it sounds like your counselors are navigating this from a really different perspective like what's their you know it's not it's not like what what am I supposed to tell them it's almost like it seems like they're not even thinking oh what like what do I have to worry about halachically to tell them because it sounds like that's not at all what they're involved yeah. in that their, their perspective is different. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, no, it's really important point. So we, we specifically, yeah, we just did the Shifra Shabbat um, for Parshat Shifra Shemot. Um, and we, at, we engaged the RCA to share with all of their rabbis um, about our work. And I'll, t- I'll tell, I want to talk a little bit more about why that, I think that's really essential that every, <laughs> every institution is getting this out. Um, but in terms of the halachic piece, yeah, our counselors specifically do not provide halachic guidance. And specifically, if that is something where someone is, is this right or wrong? Is this halachic? Is this not? Like, that's something we direct them to talk to an, a, a rabbi that they feel comfortable with. Not our rabbi, you know, not my rabbi or my, not the, my counselors and I have the same rabbi, but, you know, who do you feel comfortable with? How could you find someone you feel comfortable with to ask those questions of? Um, so that it's, it's, you know, it's so that people can really trust us to know that like, we're not, not pushing a specific um, halachic position on this individual. We're not prejudging whether or not it's acceptable. Um, And that, you know, it just puts us in a position of just 
trying to be there for them. Same thing with the medical side. We're not, um, we're also not doctors. So we're not going to, you know, give people information that is medical in nature about abortion, where to get one, how to get one, what are the procedures? That's not our, that's not our thing. That's where people could ask their rabbi about that. They could ask their, their doctor about it, but that's, we, we stay out of that. And we have a boundary of that. Like, that's just not our work. Um, and then that gives us the space where we, where we stand on. Um, we, you know, we wouldn't, for example, like show, there might be a pregnancy organization out there that might show pictures of abortions or something like graphic that's intended to like cause a certain reaction. We don't ever do anything like that. Like that's not our space. Our space is social work, our space is nurturing, and our space is, our space is listening. Um, in terms of like the halachics piece, I can give you different examples of people who have had, there's been people who've come to us who have, um, ha, you know, had, had, um, had, 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 had abortions and some have had it and some of them have chosen not to. So um, in the case of someone, you know, there's someone who did have one, there was a woman who came to us. I mean, she was just in a horrifically abusive relationship, sadly. I mean, it was just really, really sad. And I won't go into the details. They're very dark. And she asked to, for a head to her abortion. She was planning on getting divorced and she got one and she had one. And like in that sort of case, we're treating them with love. We're treating them with care. We're not telling them any different than what their rabbi would be telling them. Um, you know, and we're just doing the follow-up. In that case, the underlying issue was the abuse. So our, our main work with her was to get her to an abuse organization because um, she really needed it. And she hadn't I don't think until she called us, both of my counselors happen to be, not happen, but both of my counselors are trained in domestic abuse work. And they both worked for Shalva in Chicago, which is one of the original Jewish domestic abuse organizations. So they can spot things and they, you know, they can work people through those and, and bridge the gap to get them to on domestic abuse if that's necessary. Um, but in another example, you know, a woman called us who had a head to have an abortion because she had um, hypermesis gravidarum, very severe. Um, if you know what that is, that's like, you have to be an IV. I mean, it's very, it's worse. It's like morning sickness, like a tsunami is like a thunderstorm and it's really significant. Um, and she had, you know, a young child with special needs and um, she, she, her, she'd had serious before and she, she had a head start, but she was, as she was talking with her our counselor, it was very clear. She didn't really want to have the abortion. She just did not have the resources. Like, how is she going to get through the pregnancy? Who is going to look after her kids? How is she going to rest? You know, she was working full-time. She needed financially to be working full-time. It's just really intense. And so we offered, we said, listen, if you choose, and it's your choice to go through with this pregnancy, we will be here with you for you for with significant financial aid to help with the babysitting. And we worked with her and um, we, we, you know, we made that offer to her and she made the choice to continue the pregnancy. The baby Baruch Hashem was born healthy last summer. And, you know, Baruch, you know, it was it just, we were able to give her what she really wanted, which was to the support she needed to continue the pregnancy. And, um, yeah, so that was that was an example where she, there was a hetzer, and she and but but our help made it so that she didn't feel like she wanted to use that, um, and that's that's happened you know on more than one occasion. 
where the help made the difference, but we're never questioning a hetta or questioning anyone else's halakhic view on this. Um, Cause that's not our, that's not our place. It's so powerful to hear these firsthand accounts of what you can do to help women through these crises. And it sounds like a lot of what you do is also to get them to a point that they can really identify what it is that they need. You know, when someone's in crisis mode, they might run to thinking they need one specific solution or one specific outcome. Um, but then once they're able to kind of calm down a little bit and speak to someone and talk it out, they, they realize that there are other options there. Like there is more that they can explore to help them get through this incredibly challenging time um, that they may not have considered before. And they're only able to get to that point through the support that you're offering. Yeah. I'm wondering if there are any other stories that you can share with us that highlight the important work that you're doing. Yeah. I, your point was is really beautiful. And I, that I wanted to, before I tell the two stories, I wanted to build on it like, the things I say is that when you're looking at the, the crisis, the first choice that you're making is how are you going to define the crisis, right? So if let's say the crisis is I can't afford a baby, okay? So you can define the crisis as the baby, I can't, I can't continue the pregnancy. Or you can find the crisis, I can't afford it. Okay, well, then if you define the crisis as I can't afford it, then you have options. Can I get a better job? Can I reduce my expenses? Can I get financial aid? So, you you know, part of what you're lo- we're always looking at is like, what is the crisis, like you said, and what's the, what are the needs and how, you know, what's the, what are the options that are available for people to look broadly um, at the issue? So, um, so before I go into my two stories, um, <laughs> I wanted to tell this particular story because it's related to, um, it was related to the RCA thing about why it was urgent um, to talk to the RCA. It's kind of a sad story. So I want to tell it before I tell the happier stories because um, this is kind of, it's sad, but it, ha- it has to be told. It has to be told because it's why I'm, I'm specifically been reaching out to the Orthodox community recently. Um, having not necessarily focused on the Orthodox community, but still been reaching women. So we, I got a call a couple of years ago um, from a man and his wife had aborted their child and she was still grieving two years later, really grieving. They had told no one, they felt like they couldn't afford day school. They couldn't afford another child. They had told no one about it. And, um, they had just done it. It was early in the pregnancy. They felt like it would, they felt like it was fine halakhically. And he thought, and he writes me this note. I thought she, I thought she was okay with it. I thought we agreed, but she's still grieving. She's still grieving and our marriage is falling apart and she stopped keeping Shabbat and she was in such pain and it was so hard to read. It was so hard to read. And I offered, you know, is there, you know, please have her call us and my counselors can work with her on post-abortion healing. Like we don't want this woman to be suffering but it was so clear to me and the message I was sending to the RCA is that this happens. And when people are isolated and they can't talk about it and they can't ask for help, I mean, there can be devastating consequences. They, I mean, whatever the outcome, like if they had been able to know that they could go to their rabbi for help about that and not felt, you know, had a little bit of the stigma and a little bit of the shame lifted from them so they could have asked, you know, the situation would have for sure been much better because the pain was so much about the isolation. So I just wanted to tell that as like the, 
is that a story not as a happy one, but is an important one, why, why it's important for us to get the word out and to be actively talking and actively, you know, letting people know we, that they can lean on our community in these situations and that there's help. So two examples of, um, two different kinds of examples of how we help people. Um, one is a woman, we call her Liat, that, was, that is not her name, but we call her Liat. Um, and she was, um, she, she had a master's degree. She was, she was single. She got pregnant with her boyfriend who absolutely did not want to take responsibility and did not want to be a father and pressured her to abort. She turned to her mother who also was, wanted her to abort and was not willing to help her. Um, and she, I think she must've just gotten her master's degree. She didn't have a job yet. She, she was, she went, ended up going to New York and was living on a friend's couch for months functionally homeless. And that's when she called us asking for help. And um, she, she was so extraordinary. And within a year of us helping her, she got, and it wasn't all us, it was also her like incredible spirit. She got herself an apartment. She got herself into a master's. She got a job where she, um, in childcare where she could be also with her baby after the baby was born. And she started a master's degree program. And we helped with financial aid, with diapers, with childcare while she started the classes for the um, financial, for the classes for the master's program and um, a whole lot of other things. Um, just, and also like the emotional support from our counselors. And she was just, she's just extraordinary woman. And the quote that she, she um, said that I think is just, moves me every time. She says, my daughter, Remember, this is a woman who was homeless for months because she chose not to abort. My daughter has brought complete and utter joy and happiness into my life. In Shipper's Arms has helped me beyond measure. My situation was tough, but babies are worth every fight, every struggle, and every difficulty. We must put their needs first. So it's just... It's just an amazing story, an amazing woman. And it was our privilege to help her. And she's sort of an example. She's an example of, you know, the kinds of clients that come to us where the, the force, the, the force is really external. There's a pressure to abort, there's financial problems, there's homelessness, there's whatever. The, the, the pressures are really external. And there's a, but inside of her, she really wanted the, she wanted the baby. She did not ever really want to abort, but she had to overcome those challenges. Sometimes people come from another end where they, it's, there might be stability in the structure, but internally, they just don't want another baby. So there's a woman um, who called us, um, call her Risa. And she, before she called us, uh, she, she had um, two children. She had suffered really significant postpartum depression. She did not want to have another child. She didn't feel like she could have another child financially. Um, she was actually going to get an IUD and didn't realize that she could get pregnant or whatever intermediary period, she got pregnant. <laughs> I mean, days, a day before she, she was supposed to have the IUD again, come in um, or whatever it was. And um, days before. And um, before she called us, she had talked it over with her husband and he was, he really didn't want her to worry. And she really didn't want to hurt him in that way, in that situation, but she still was miserable she didn't want to be pregnant. Um, and so she was really caught between a, 
between a rock and a hard place because she, she didn't want to have the abortion, but she also didn't want to be pregnant. Um, and she started working with our counselor and um, we also got her some really nice maternity clothes to make her feel good in her body, like not used ones, like nice professional grant towards um, maternity clothes. And, um, and she worked it through with her and they, you know, they talked a lot about self-care and what she needed to do to take care of herself, how to work through the issues and, um, that, and her fear and her anxiety and just working through it. And somehow, you know, when the baby came, she was able to fully give her heart to the baby and fully attach. And uh, she wrote us a note later. She said, I was extremely fortunate to have found your organization during my pregnancy pregnancy, and it may have even saved my life. I cannot thank you enough. Um, this little baby is seriously the happiest thing I've ever met. Actually, he's the happiest person anyone has ever met. I definitely cannot take credit for his demeanor, but due to his nonstop smile, I'm able to survive. We are all very lucky and blessed to have such a dolly. So I guess the, the message that I want to leave people with is that a, even a pregnancy that begins with fear and worry and anxiety can end with joy and love if people get the support they need. And that's why we're here to help women navigate um, the issues during their pregnancy and after birth and to, to be able to adjust and have community and support around them and to access their own inner resilience. Wow. I feel like, especially because I, I know other people who are going to be listening to this, this might be their introduction to the organization and it's incredibly powerful as women. It's also empowering to think about what we can do for other women and how women should be supported. And in a lot of ways, it almost seems like your organization should be everyone's best friend, mom, sister, but it kind of takes the place of if that's not working out or they, people don't have that that's what everyone, and you know, better trained from a mental health perspective than some people's family members. Um, but that, that's, it's like such a, a powerful thing to, to, to be involved in. So what do you recommend for community members who aren't formally trained or who don't work for the organization? Are there, are there things, um, obviously supporting the organization um, would be probably something people could do to help. Um, but what do you, including that, what do you recommend for people who care about this? Think, wow, like you said, like, with telling the RCA this is a real thing um, that is happening in, in all communities and but what people can do to, to help. So um, first thing, I haven't mentioned my website, jewishpregnancyhelp.org. So the first thing is that everybody, I'm so glad everybody who listens to this is now gonna know about it and be able to let your friends know. But you know, you may not know the people in your life who might need this. So we need people to put it out on Facebook, put it out on email lists, put it out on, you know, help us get posters at mikvahs and kosher stores. It sounds like the smallest thing, but we never know where we're going to, we're going to, we're going to reach someone and people don't wear a banner saying I'm having a crisis. <laughs> you know, we just don't know how we're going to reach someone or how the information is going to, someone's going to know it and they're going to know it later. Um, and um, it's just, it's just essential for the biggest thing we need is helping get the word out that we exist so we can reach more people. Um, and that like any group, any way that people can help, um, we need it. And we're just, we're, we're you know, we're just any, anytime you put it on Facebook, literally anything you can do or WhatsApp groups, whatever it is to help us spread the word. 
you know, and every, and do it now and then do it later. So if somebody wants to email me, if they want to have some of our materials, they're welcome to email me and I can give them materials to put out on whatever group they're in, whether it be WhatsApp or Facebook or email lists. Uh, my email is E-P-E-L-M-A-N at jewishpregnancyhelp.org, or you can go to the volunteer section of our website, jewishpregnancyhelp.org. Um, I think, you know, that that is my, our biggest need is to just get the word out. And for people who want to take a, like a higher level and who are leaders and, um, you know, we are, we are accepting board members and we are expanding our, trying to do what we can to expand our reach, our leadership, our fundraising. People have those kinds of skills that they would like to contribute, social media skills, those kinds of things. Um, they're welcome to reach out to me, email me, and we can talk and see if like, you know, how could it fit? Because um, we, we need, you know, this is not just our organization, this is our community that um, we need to all come together to reach to reach women and to make sure everybody knows they can lean on us. Wow, thank you. We'll make sure to link your website and your email address and all that stuff in the show notes so that people can just click on it when they come to listen to this episode. Awesome, thank you guys so much, you're amazing. <laughs> like, thank you so much for coming out and having this conversation with us. Thank yeah. you so much. And thank you, for the, thank you for the work you do. It's really incredible.